Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. I can't believe that we are at yet another season finale. Four seasons, 40 episodes, uh, if you include last summer's episode, and uh, I think we're just going to keep on trucking through. There's so much more to talk about, but uh, we'll get to that another day. We're finishing up our season uh, by talking about something that we've alluded to in a number of episodes, but ultimately we've kind of danced around. So I'm hoping we can not only unpack that thing, but then also kind of expound upon it and move into different spaces. Uh, And that topic is parasocial relationships. And to help me discuss that issue, we have uh, for the third time now appearing Dr. Mark Generous. Thank you once again for giving us some of your time yeah you bet how are you doing i'm good we are we are at the end of the semester here we are done with classes and finals are next week fantastic i know i've got two weeks left of class mm. and then finals and then summer vacation the i'm end is so here. excited i think everybody needs it yes we're at, we're at that point where we're like okay we're done yes <laughs> absolutely do you have any big summer plans um I am hoping to travel throughout July and August. I mean, I'm not quite sure where. I usually make the rounds to go visit people like mm-hmm. Michigan, Texas, Arizona, all those nice. fun places. And then hopefully maybe just some other fun travel. How about you? Yeah, I got a little bit of travel to Disneyland, going to Disneyland. Um, right. And then I got a, I got a bachelor party um, in Colorado. Uh, and then, I'm, of course, you, you know I'm traveling for wiffle ball, so I'll be doing a whole lot of that. Um, I know, I know. And, uh, you know, the reason I asked kind of what you were doing is because, uh, you know, we love to get out and travel, but I've also become enamored recently with the ways in which people uh, sort of present their life story on social media. Uh, which of course bleeds into our topic today of parasocial relationships and sort of the uh, real or fake relationships that people develop with like a personality or an influencer or a character of sorts. And that's kind of, you know, where I want to start because it's a big fancy word that I think some people may be unfamiliar with. So can we talk about like what a parasocial relationship is and where it lives in like the ethos of online relationships? Yeah. Let's let's do that. When I think of parasocial relationships, I think of forming this sense of connection with somebody in a digital space. So I don't necessarily hang out with them or see them face to face. I I can't touch them physically. I might not even really talk to them at all. I'm just viewing them through a social media channel. Maybe I'm viewing them through TV. If you think historically, we've we've had parasocial relationships since the beginning of really electronic communication or broadcast communication. If we think about the morning talk show host, um, people will form parasocial relationships with them and they'll often call them by first names. Like, oh, you know, Savannah on the Today Show, she said this, right? So we've had these for quite a while, but now I think they're becoming even more ingrained in Mm -hmm. our lives, especially as we move towards these really hyper-connected forms of CMC, like Twitch, which Mm. I did not know much about. And my advanced in a personal class brought it up yesterday and we we got into a 45 minute discussion about this idea of Twitch and, and what it does and the relationships that are formed. But that is 
very different than forming a relationship with your morning talk show host. Because with Twitch, you can pay to leave comments and have the Twitch streamer mm -hmm. see them. So now there's this idea of like, I'm paying for you to notice me, Ooh. which, ooh, it's so, it's interesting, right? Yes. I, I'm, I'm wondering just the implications that has for the way we view the world and specifically how we view who we're connected to. Mm. That makes sense? Absolutely. You know, it, yeah. it makes me think of uh, like uh, cyber emigrant relationships in which you, you start a relationship with a person and then like, for example, with you and I, when, when you move away to do something like go to grad school or take a job as a professor, you leave those in-person people and your relationship emigrates into a, a mostly cyber relationship. But parasocial relationships uh, are often born out of an online personality either that you or the other person has. And it's like you said, you can position yourself in a place of reverence with that streamer or influencer by subscribing or, or purchasing the right to send a message or something like that. And I yeah. think it creates a potentially, I'm not gonna say dangerous, but I do wanna say like, like it creates a, a, a potentially a problematic situation in which you have a relationship with someone that you pay for, but the terms and conditions are not explicit. You know what I mean? I do. I know what you mean. And if we even move out of Twitch mm -hmm. and we go to a place like Instagram or TikTok, mm -hmm. you're not paying. You could still leave comments. But my students tell me if they leave a comment on somebody's social media page who has a following and that person responds back, they say it ignites this level of excitement like oh they noticed me in my comment mm. and i find that to also be really interesting and again yesterday during class i told my students at the end of, of class i said i just need to apologize because i think some of the things i said might have been judgmental <laughs> and i think that's a sign that i'm i'm getting older because i'm not understanding or reconciling myself with the ways we're forming connections and again mm. I, I keep coming back to are we spending this large amount of time in digital spaces at the expense of not putting ourselves out there in face-to-face -face settings? And then yeah. is that also creating difficulty or challenges connecting face-to-face? -face? And so you can see where I might sound judgmental because mm -hmm. they're telling me, oh yeah, we're on Twitch, we're streaming or I'm streaming. And I'm thinking, are you going outside? <laughs> 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 right. Go touch some grass, as yeah, the kids say. Go hug a tree. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so no, I think I think you bring up a really important point about like connections. Because like for example, on on TikTok, you can pin a comment, right, to the top of the right. So if you've got a video that's got five million views and a million and a half likes, and you snatch somebody's comment and you pin it, and then mm. now that that comment is getting 100, 200, 300,000 likes. For someone who's like not a creator, they're like, oh my God, my comment went went viral. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, and so I I totally get that, that, that I guess uh, I'm gonna say, like that, you know, endorphin rush, that dopamine rush. Um, and I think that the pandemic really accelerated those feelings and crafted a space for them in which there was, a, that space always existed, but I think it widened the space in a really big way because a lot of us were staying inside. And this was how we had interaction. So 
from a connection standpoint, what sorts of connections do you anticipate people are looking for that ultimately lead them to form parasocial relationships? That is a great question. I'm going to be forthright and tell you that I don't think I can list all of the reasons. I think it's a non-exhaustive list. Mm -hmm. but if I had to say, I would say first and foremost, I do believe it is a neurological stimulation in the sense of, for instance, when you go on your phone, I mean, you're doing it typically out of boredom or out of habit, and it's, it's for a neurological stimulation, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that is what most of these technologies provide us. It's flipping through and going, oh, funny, oh, cute, oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's quick rushes of some of those happy hormones, right? right. Dopamine, serotonin, what, what have you. And so I do believe it's it's that. And I, I also maybe think, too, it's what you were talking about, the desire to be noticed in such a large space. But with that being said, I think, too, there's a desire to maybe follow streamers or follow people on social media who have smaller followings. So that way, maybe you're more likely to get noticed or recognized. But even just me saying that out loud, right? It's this desire to be noticed or recognized, which is a fundamentally human need. Mm -hmm. It's that need to belong theory. And typically we think of need to belong like I have relationships that I can go to and hang out with face to face. But now I, I think it's transferring into the electronic space to say, I'm being noticed. I'm being noticed on this platform. My comment got pinned. Mm -hmm. Somebody liked my comment. And again, just as somebody who thinks about connection, I, I can't help but judge it because I'm thinking to myself, is this, is this an authentic connection? And that, that assessment of authenticity is subjective. I, I don't think I can objectively measure that. And so if somebody says to me, oh no, I authentically feel valued mm. when my comment gets pinned, who am I to judge that? I think I'm just telling you that I can't help but judge it. <laughs> I can't help but I'm like, is it authentic? Are you feeling that way? <laughs> yeah, no, I no, that's and that's it's a valid point. Like what distinguishes a valid connection, like like a true and sincere and honest connection vis-a-vis -vis, yeah. like like do you must you know the person personally to have a legitimate connection with them? I'll I'll I noticed something last night that I'm not that I didn't put together with what we're doing right now. I, th there's as someone who I follow on TikTok. He's got like 5 million followers. He's, he's just like, you know, a, a, a funny dude. He does like trends and sounds. That's it. That's his content. Um, and he went live and I was like, oh, he's live. Let me just pop in and see what he's doing. And he had just gone live and he was sitting there looking at his phone, like, like leaning in and he was going, oh, Mark. What's up? How you been? Sandy, great to see you again. Like saying things like that. Yeah. And the first question that popped in my head was, does he even know who he's talking to? Is he just picking uh -huh. random names and betting on the fact that they've been there before? And then yeah. the follow-up question I had for myself was, does it even matter? If they feel validated by that, does it even matter? Oh my gosh, that brings up the question of like, does anything matter? No, <laughs> yeah. So you bring up so many interesting points. So like, let's go ahead and deconstruct some of the stuff that you just said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the space of social media, I cannot escape 
the old adage, the world is a stage. And if you take it into like performance studies, existence is performance. Mm. But now it's like heightened, right? Because you have these, you and you said the word characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have these characters on social media platforms who have now constructed an identity in which they are maintaining that identity on that space. And as they're reaching out to people, part of the identity is is validating the followers. Mm-hmm. So that way the following continues or people maybe feel a sense of connection to this human being. And I, I wonder to myself again, like, are they doing this for work? Is is this genuine? It, it just, it feels to me, and I'm, I'm gonna become judgmental again for a second. So mm. bear with me. It feels unbelievably hollow. And I can't escape the fact that it's only providing a moment of stimulation or a moment of validation that is going to dissipate. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, all feelings are momentary. I Mm -hmm. understand that. But I guess I would make the argument that in in authentic relationships that are predicated on face-to-face connection and a sense of, of commitment, those moments may be fleeting, but they're going to be recurring. Mm, I don't see that they're going to be recurring in these parasocial relationships. And even if they are, I'm sorry, the person on the other end who's the the influencer, they're not going to come help you when you genuinely need help. That's a hard truth. And what I said yesterday too is, if you think about like affection, right? We have three different types of affection, like direct nonverbal, hugs, kisses, Mm -hmm. direct verbal, I love you, you're important to me. And then indirect nonverbal, which is more like support, Mm -hmm. being there for somebody, quality time. Really the only thing you're getting in parasocial relationships, if you get it at all, is direct verbal. You cannot have direct nonverbal and you're probably not gonna get indirect nonverbal. And the direct verbal, it almost becomes so performative that that's where it seems hollow and inauthentic. Hey Sandy, hope you're doing well. James, (laughs) I see you there. I mean, come on, are we not? sensing the performativity and just, I don't know. Oh, I sound so judgmental. <laughs> no, I think, well, I, I, I wouldn't even say it's judgmental. I just think it's an important caveat that everybody should be carrying with them in their back pocket. Like this is not as real as you might think it to be. And so like, this is my rule when I, when it comes to social media, when it comes to like, if for example, I see a content creator who I'm considering following, something that I've recently been asking myself, especially given that, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I consume a lot of TikTok and there was the big, huge drama mess in early March on TikTok. And it left me with this idea of like, I don't know if I want to follow a creator on social media all they are known for and all they do is social media. So if, if there's, for example, like you, Mark, a professor who is on TikTok doing professor stuff, um, but has a whole different life outside of TikTok, I'd like to think that that is somebody who is not, you know what I'm saying? Someone who's not invested everything into that character, right? Because you're right. That's what it is. But when you're on social media like that, it's a character. And if that character is the, summation of your existence it's potentially problematic yeah can i can i take a turn and and do a little moment of vulnerability and uh (laughs) maybe throw myself under the bus oh no so i i personally have been feeling so overwhelmed by just the extent to which we are on our phones and engaged in this social media um 
computer connected world. It's it's it is wearing me out. And I feel like, you know, the matrix, right? It's one mm-hmm. of the best movies of all time. I feel like we are now in this heightened matrix. And even when I'm hanging out face to face with people and somebody pulls out their phone to take a photo, I find myself getting irritated. I'm like, mm. you're not taking a photo to remember this moment. You're taking a photo to enhance oh, your identity online. To advertise. And know, yeah, and I know that that is my own perception. That might not be reality. Perceptions are subjective. But it's also having this really weird effect on me where I'm having difficulty even connecting with people face-to-face who are so ingrained in their phone. Mm. I almost just wish, in a way, we could just get rid of the phones and go back to like flip phones that were only there to literally call people in the nope, case of yeah. you know, I just, yeah. and I, I say that to, for an act of vulnerability and, and just to really emphasize that. I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't escape that this feeling that these parasocial relationships are, are taking away from something maybe deeper, I don't know. I no, don't know. That's well, just how I'm at right now. It's, it's hard. I mean, if you think about some of the evolutionary psychology research out there, we know that the human brain was not built for this. The human brain was built to exist in a series of small communities where you know anywhere between 20 and 70 people. Right. We were not meant to connect with thousands of people like it's, it's very overwhelming. And I think it's part of the reason why we see the uh, abundance of um, you know mental health issues uh, being experienced by millennials and Gen Zers and whoever comes after the Gen Zers, but we're seeing a lot of that. I think it's also the fact that we've advanced. Generation Alpha is after Gen Z. Yes, Alpha. Correct me. Yeah. Alpha. No, you're correct. Um, so you bring up something interesting, right? And can I tell you, I have heard this hundreds of times over. Oh, anxiety and depression rates are increasing and it's connected to social media, but no one's doing anything about it. Mm. Right. And isn't that just so interesting? We we're so abundantly aware of the issues and the connections. And yet we've accepted that this is now commonplace and it's, it's fascinating. I, I mean, could we maybe compare it to like, uh, an addiction of drugs or alcohol, this addiction of social media. And yet we're like, well, guess that's life. And, and it's interesting too, because it goes back. If you think about framing, right. We oftentimes frame, um, addiction as an individual kind of yes. issue. Yes, and I think we're starting to point. do the same thing with social media. It's like, well, yeah, social media is an issue, but if you choose to be on it, that's, that's your decision. Right. And I find that to be a, an interesting framing tactic because the same framing tactic tactic has been used with like an opioid epidemic. Yes. Yes. No, you're hundred percent. I was going with that. No, no, no. I got it. Let me, let me finish the thought. It's, it's, it's the idea of like, as if it's even possible to disengage from social media. You know what I mean? Like it is everywhere and we must be a part of it. And it's to the point where in your face to face relationships, let's say you meet someone new and they say, Oh, what's your Snapchat? And you're like, Oh, I'm actually not on social media. What? I know. And then I've heard people say that that's a red flag. Oh, you're not on social media. Exactly. What's wrong with you? And I'm thinking to myself, wow. And I go back to the matrix, right? Like you have to be plugged in for other people to see you as worthy or to see you as lack of a better word, normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, gosh, how interesting, how fascinating is all of this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, Yeah. I can't escape it. And I feel like our conversation has really delved into a lot of maybe the issues surrounding parasocial relationships. And I'm wondering if you see any 
any light. I mean, we know that there's addictions and we know that there are so many issues with not just millennial Gen Z and Gen Alpha, but I would maybe even argue too with older generations who are using social media to just rigidify or like concretize their political ideologies. Like Mm -hmm. what's the light? What's what's the goodness that can come out of this? All right, listen, pal, I'm asking the questions here. (laughs) No, 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 no. Let me take a shot at it. First, let me say this. I think that mental illness has always been around and I think we are getting better at diagnosing it. And so what appears to be a dramatic increase in mental health is really just us getting better at diagnosing it. We used to call people hysterical and put them in a mental institution. Now we can, you know, we can send them to therapy and give them medication. So that's a good thing. But your question rings true in terms of like, where, where is the bright spot in all this? And I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I'm going to say it's in, it's in connection. Um, Social media enables well, you know, because social media and, and, and technology more broadly enables you and I to stay in uh, in contact. No longer can we meet up on a Wednesday night and do karaoke together. Yeah. But we can talk on a podcast and reminisce about when we used to do that. I miss well, karaoke so much. So I much. Know. So much fun. It, it you know, pains if, me. If I were to think about a light from all of this, yeah, I'm going to take it a step further because I, I don't think it's just connection one-on-one because what you just said is an example of like one-on-one connection yeah and without a doubt i mean during the pandemic facetime and zoom was so important for those one-on-one connections and also small group connections yes i'm thinking though the light for the larger societal influence and i think the light is is how do i frame this um the ability for individuals who didn't have platforms and maybe more marginalized voices to now have that platform. Because for a very long time, it was gatekeepers who controlled what's on TV, what's on radio, what's in film. Mm. And even for a long time too, it was the same case with the internet because really the internet was used mainly for like searches. Mm -hmm. So algorithms could control that. And still algorithms do that with social media without a doubt. But I just think we see more content from communities that didn't used to have voices. And that's really beautiful. Like that's somewhere where I find light and I think to myself, wow, are we moving towards this space now of wider acceptance of different points of view or different ways of being? And I do believe that social media and content creation is is a large part of that. But I'm trying to personally, as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to reconcile this huge push to constantly be online with just craving authentic face-to-face connection that isn't influenced yeah. by by that um, yeah connection. If it, or for I don't yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Do I do. hundred percent. No, I'm I'm right there with you. And I think that uh, just to put a bow on that, I think that there's an element of knowledge acquisition and education. And when I say education, I do not mean necessarily what you and I do in the classroom. What I mean is yeah. an indigenous woman getting on TikTok and posting a viral video about her culture or about an issue plaguing her community and the ability for that to be consumed the ability for somebody with 50 followers to post that video and go absolutely giga viral is a potentially bright spot that will of course come with increased um, scrutiny and unfortunately uh, bad actors will find viral videos like that and and try to put um, those people in harm's way. Uh, and as a community, we can hopefully band together and protect those folks. But yeah, yeah, no, I think you make a really good point there. As we wind down, I want to get to the bonus question that I had for you, which is if you had the opportunity 
to meet with one online creator or personality for dinner, who would it be? James, I'm going to be very honest. I, I don't know anybody who is an online influencer that isn't trying to create some type of theatrical or musical art. So I need to just go, because I'm a musician. I love music. Of course. So if I had to meet somebody, um, this person is not on social media because they don't care about it. For me, it would be, it would probably be Joni Mitchell. She's Ooh. one of my all time favorite songwriters I, and she's still here. She's still alive. So I would love to just chitty chat with her, but she is not an online person. Somebody probably runs her Instagram mm -hmm. for her. Cause I, there is, I, do not follow anybody who is just creating online content. I, I, that is not something I. <laughs> no, that I, I meant anyone. So that's perfectly fair. Okay, I thought good, good. I thought you were going to say Miley Cyrus. No. Wow, hard no to yeah, Miley. Respect, respect her one thousand percent. Her musicianship, uh, but no, it would be Joni. I want to talk Joni to Mitchell. somebody who's a, a songwriter who has written songs that have been in the cultural discourse for decades. Like nice. for instance, don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm, classic. I mean, he wrote that in the 1970s and it's still yes. five decades later, still has an influence on who we are as a people. I mean, that's mind blowing. That is mind blowing. And on that note, season over. Thank you, Mark, Woo! so much. I wish Thank everybody you. a very happy and healthy end of semester. Best of luck on finals. We'll see you in the fall. Bye. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.